Well, good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor, and it's so good to have you guys with us here today. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. It's, uh, you're at the, what I think is the best St. Patrick's Day party in town, so you've, you've chosen wisely. Uh, this is it. All our coffee will be green this morning. No, we tried. We couldn't figure it out. It was the wrong color, no matter how much dye we put in. It just didn't change. If it's your first morning here, we're so happy that you've joined us today. I mean, we're just so honored to have you. I hope that somebody has made you feel welcome this morning. I hope somebody's made you feel expected this morning. We've got a sign over our doors out there that says, Welcome Home, but we don't want you to just read Welcome Home. We want you to feel it when you come into this place on a sunny morning. And so we're so honored that you're here. When you came in through the doors, you got a program. And inside that program is a Connect card. If you'll fill out some information on that Connect card, we just like to know you were here. We, we don't want people to be anonymous at this church just coming in and dipping out. We, we want to be able to connect with you. And so if you'll fill out a little information, we'll just send you a letter letting you know a little bit more about our church. And we won't bombard you after that. And if you turn in that Connect card to our Connect Center after church, after service, you can, uh, we'll give you a free gift just for joining us this morning. Well, today we are in the final installment of our series, Focus, and so if it's your first time coming in, it's a little bit like coming in at the end of a movie, but I will do my best to uh, recap like they do at the beginning of all your favorite TV shows before we get going this morning. In our first week, we talked about passion and the way that our passions and dreams and the gifts that we have inside of us feed into our purpose and how together they can give us a vision that can drive us forward. Last week we talked about discouragement and what it means to stay focused on our purpose even when we get discouraged, even how to develop a strategy for discouragement. And then today the message is called focus on your part. Focus on your part. When I was in high school, I'm actually quite familiar with a high school stage like this one, uh, because when I was in high school, I was on the show choir. Now, if you don't know what show choir is, uh, if you've ever seen the TV show Glee, that was basically my autobiography. And so, um, it, the true story is I have absolutely zero song and dance capability. So uh, show choir is singing and dancing in front of people. I've got zero talent. My sister is very good at both things. She's older than me, and so she got to the school, and she did her tryouts and got on the show choir because she was very talented. When I got there, uh, they said, oh, this is Lauren's sister. He must be good also, and just allowed me in. It was a flawed system. I actually wasn't that interested in show choir. My mother bribed me into it because I had a Jeep uh, and, I, and I got stuck in the mud all the time. And she said she'd buy me a winch for my Jeep if I would sing and dance first. And so I said, okay. Now, the reason I was so bad, aside from not having rhythm, at, at dancing in the show choir was, we, we, here's how it works. We're, we're choreographing uh, these big dance numbers, and you've got your partner, and you're, you know, I was always in the back corner for some reason, I don't know why, and I was in the back corner, and in front of me were all these other couples doing the same dance moves, and the effect when it all comes together is for the audience, you get a real spectacle of everybody moving together in perfect choreography, or so it should go. 
what would happen when I was in, just for the year that I was in before I was asked to leave, was I'm very easily distracted. And so I'd be in my back corner and I'd be watching everybody else the whole time. And then I'd miss a step here, I'd miss a step there. I'd be watching everybody because they were so darn good at it and I wanted to see it too. Mr. Davis, our teacher, would constantly have to come and tell me, John Mark, focus on your part. Don't watch theirs. And I think what happens to us a lot of times as we pursue our purpose is the opposite. I think we get so ingrained in doing what we're called to do that we miss out on the bigger picture of what's at work. And so today I want to talk a little bit about our part and how it feeds into a bigger purpose. See, sometimes in pursuing the purpose we've been given, it can be easy to miss the big picture. And often what that'll do is after a while of staying in our zone and pursuing the one purpose, the one thing that we love to do, the one passion, the one dream that we're after, is we become a little bit discouraged, not by people on the outside, but by wondering if this is really making a difference at all. Is what I'm doing actually creating an impact? When we only look at the piece that we have, the part that we're playing, we wonder, is this really making a difference? There was, this was just as true for Nehemiah as it is for you and I. Uh, so I'm going to give you a full history recap. Again, here we go. Get ready. Lean in, sit back, take a nap for a few minutes if you need to, because uh, we've got a few hundred years to cover. So the people of Israel, the Jewish people, are the people that God chose to reveal himself to the world through. Here's what I mean by that. I mean in the very beginning, God had a dream of being in relationship with his creation. Humanity messed that up. And so once that happened, he hatched a grand plan that would reunite him in relationship with his creation for eternity. It started with the Jewish people. The Jewish people's purpose was to honor, serve, and devote themselves to God and only God so that he could reveal himself to the world through them. Over time, God delivered on a promise of land and territory for them, and they built a city called Jerusalem. Jerusalem became the absolute cultural center for the Jewish people. They built a temple in Jerusalem, which was where the presence of God literally dwelt. All of life for a Jewish person sprang from the temple in Jerusalem and the city itself. In the 6th century, the Babylonian Empire conquered Jerusalem. And when they did, they destroyed it. They tore down the mighty walls around this city, leaving it open to invasion and attack. They went in and destroyed the temple in order to break down the morale of the people. They tore down every military-related building and citadel within the city. And the result was a city that looked more like a war zone than a place of residence. Most of the people living in Jerusalem were driven out into the neighboring towns, villages, countries. And then the nobles and priests and wealthy people were taken into captivity in Babylon to be integrated into their society. Seventy years later, the Persian Empire had conquered the Babylonian Empire. 
This was the age of empires. It was the Babylonians, then the Persians, then the Greeks, then the Romans. And during this season when the Persians conquered the Babylonians, they decided to release the Jewish people back to Jerusalem. King Darius made a proclamation that they could return home. And so they did. But when they returned home, they weren't returning to the home their ancestors had told them about. They were returning to a ruined city. But they just stayed there. They, they, they lived there for a while. After some time, they rebuilt the temple in order to try and realign their lives with the purpose God had given them. But they became complacent in that, and they started to fill the temple with the foreign gods of the neighboring lands around them, with idols and, and things that distracted them from who they were meant to be. After 90 years of that, a man named Nehemiah was broken for the people of Jerusalem. Nehemiah was Jewish by descent, but he had grown up in Persia. He was serving the Persian king. But when he heard about the broken city of Jerusalem, he was wrecked by it. He felt a, a passion inside of him. God put a purpose in his heart to go and rebuild this mighty city. And so Nehemiah, with the backing of the king, goes to Jerusalem and rides around the walls, forms a plan. He's prayed for months already. He's been building a strategy. He presents it to the people, and together they start to rebuild the walls. They get the walls about halfway finished when all of a sudden opposition shows up. When God gives you a vision, you can expect opposition. The opposition shows up and starts to hurl insults and criticisms at the people building the wall. But Nehemiah keeps them focused on what God has called them to do and helps them build a strategy for the discouragement they would face. And so they build the wall. And in chapter 6, the wall is nearing completion. There's some citadels within the city remaining, some things that are left behind. But once again, the same guys who showed up to distract them before have shown up again. And this time, their one and only goal is to kill Nehemiah. They hatch a plan. They're going to ask him to come meet them, to have some peace talks since they're some neighboring kings. But their plan is, as soon as they get Nehemiah away from his army, to kill him. In Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3, Nehemiah answers their, their request for a meeting. It says, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? See, he had a job to do, and he wasn't going to lose focus until it was finished. Nehemiah's purpose, what he was called to do, this big dream that he had, it was fairly simple. It was a construction project rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem so his people could experience safety and the pride that comes with that safety once again. Reestablish a fortified city. But God's dream was bigger than that. And what was happening was bigger than that. And he maybe had no idea and couldn't see it yet, but the consequences, the outcome of Nehemiah staying so focused on his purpose, staying so driven to keep doing what God had called him to do, were far bigger than anything he could have imagined. When we get to chapter 6, we begin to see a shift in the story as it, as it helps us to understand that even though there was one purpose, one vision, 
that it was one part of a much bigger purpose. Are you pursuing your purpose, but you have no idea how it connects to something bigger? Or have you ever wondered how or why your passion and what you're working towards could glorify God at all? How could it really make a difference? You see, Nehemiah was called to build this wall. And he knew that this wall was important. But I wonder if he had any idea what would happen as a result of this wall being finished. By chapter 7 of his, of his story, the wall is completed. And people start to return to the city. It was a forgotten, abandoned, and mostly empty city. Most of the people that returned from captivity were living in the villages around Jerusalem. This once mighty city was mostly abandoned. But once those walls were rebuilt, tens of thousands of people returned to the home of their ancestors. And in chapter 8, revival breaks out in the city of Jerusalem. The 50,000 people who had returned gathered at the temple as Ezra, the prophet at that time, read from the law of Moses, the first of the books of our Old Testament. You see, Ezra had been in that same city serving his purpose for years before Nehemiah showed up. See, his purpose was to get the temple rebuilt and reestablished in the city of Jerusalem. He was pursuing that. Nehemiah was pursuing his. And only when they had both reached their goals did God begin to show up and do something bigger than they could have imagined. Ezra stood on the steps of the temple in front of 50,000 people reading the Bible. And it says that the people there began to weep as they heard God's word come from God's temple again. They felt conviction. They they were reminded of who they were supposed to be. They were reminded of the way they were made to live, of the God they were created to pursue. And it says that they just began to weep uncontrollably. But Nehemiah and Ezra said, do not weep, for this is a time for rejoicing. The temple of God is alive again. And then it says in chapter chapter 8, verse 14, They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month. It's amazing to me, this verse, that they had forgotten. They had forgotten who they were at this point. Because this festival was one of three festivals that were the most important events of the year for the Jewish people. Uh, uh, three times a year, or when, the, when one of these three festivals would happen, the men of, it, of the people of Israel that weren't living in Jerusalem would all make a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem to celebrate these big festivals. It was a huge deal. It was a reminder of what God had done, the provision He'd given them, the miracles that He'd provided. It was ingrained into their identity. And the fact that they did not even remember these festivals, let alone celebrate them for 160 years, tells me of the brokenness of their condition. They had lost who they were. The Jewish people, for thousands of years, moving forward as the people of God, pursuing Him, making mistakes, and then making it right again, had been completely separated from their purpose for so long. And it was because of Ezra and Nehemiah and the builders And the priests that would return. And all of these people serving God in their purpose together. That 
revival would come back to this city. You know, it's, it's easy for us to read this and miss the importance of having this city restored but because we have Jesus. And so because of Jesus, we don't have to pilgrimage to a temple. We don't, we don't have to go find the presence of God in a physical building somewhere. We don't have to find our identity in a city somewhere because Jesus has come and given his life for us so we could be completely united to God, even so much that his presence would live inside of us. And we take that for granted. We have the presence of God where we go. When we come together as a people to worship, the presence of God moves in that place. But for these people, it all revolved around this temple. And they had lost it. My, my grandmother tells me that we're Irish. I'm going to be honest with you. It means nothing to me. I, don't, I, I didn't know it was St. Patrick's Day until last night. I, I wondered when St. Patrick's Day was, so I Googled it, and I found out it was today. I didn't even plan to wear a green shirt today. I have a green shirt, but it wasn't ironed, and so I wasn't going to wear it. I, 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 my, I, I grew up eating corned beef. I started a lot there. I grew up eating corned beef and cabbage on St. Patrick's Day at my grandmama's house, but I didn't know why. I don't know. I'm not Irish. I don't sound Irish. I don't, I don't do Irish things. I, I don't know. I, I prefer an American-style lager to a stout. I'm, I just don't, I, I don't identify with it because it's a couple hundred years in my past, and there's been nothing to connect me to it. You need to understand that that's where the people of God were at this season. There were a couple hundred years of complete removal from the identity they were made to pursue. And so it was just a memory for them. Something their grandmothers told them about. That they thought, that's cool, I guess, but what does it mean for me? And because of Nehemiah's wall, because of this one thing, this, this building project, because Ezra pursued bringing the temple of God back to life, because of these purposes coming together, now they were learning who they were again. It was an exciting season for them. In chapter 9 and 10, we see a prayer of the people of Israel committing themselves fully to God again and confessing the sins that got them to where they were in the first place. Revival is happening. The people of God are renewing their vows with God. They're pursuing Him again. They're finding identity again. In chapter 11, even more people return to Jerusalem. And in chapter 12, the temple itself begins to come to life again. The foreign idols are driven out of it, and its priests and workers renew the rituals that once took place there. Music returns to the city. He mentions a few times that the musicians were coming back. And it's a very big deal because when worship comes into a space, the Spirit shows up and the city was beginning to feel like the city of God again. And life was returning. Nehemiah had this singular purpose and vision that he was perfectly gifted for to build this wall. But God's plan was bigger than that. His purpose was bigger than that. Maybe Nehemiah realized it, maybe not. But because he said yes to God's enormous dream for him, the people of God found their identity again. Nehemiah was a part of something bigger. And so are you. Maybe you have a dream that you're pursuing. Maybe it's a business you want to start, a career 
You want to pursue a passion you want to explore, and you've been praying over it and planning around it, and you feel like God is in it, so you're ready to go for it. Or maybe you've been in it for quite some time now, doing everything that you can to follow the purpose you believe God's given you, just reaching after it, going for it. Or maybe you've been here at the local church, joining the dream team, and your job is greeting people at the door, and and you're loving it, but you're wondering, does this matter? Is it important? Is it making a difference? We need to know something this morning. We are a part of something bigger. I want us to learn a couple things from the book of Nehemiah this morning. The first thing is this. You're a part of something bigger. Don't ever miss that. Don't ever overlook it. Don't, don't, don't ever minimize what God is doing in the world at large that you are a part of. Don't miss what God is doing in your workplace, in your community, in your neighborhood, in your family that you are a part of. You are a part of something bigger. Your purpose connects to a larger purpose. We spend a lot of time talking about purpose at the Gathering Church, I know. And that's because it's something that deeply resonates with us. See, I just think that all of us are out there trying to fill this void, this, for this search for meaning, this desire, this longing that we have to know our why. Why are we on this earth? And I believe it's an answer that only comes in a relationship with Jesus and in the purpose that he made us with. Over and over again, the Bible talks about the way we were formed and created with the plans and the good works that God's prepared in advance for us to do. We have a purpose. We have a job to do and we need to discover it so that we can do what we were put on this earth to do. I believe there is a specific gifting that you have that will connect with a specific passion you have to glorify God and serve people by pointing them to Jesus. I believe that purpose will touch every aspect of your life. I think it'll change who you are in the workplace I know sometimes it can be easy to think, you know what, I mean, I'm a software engineer. I go in, I build code. How, am I, how does this connect to anything that God's created me to do? But I believe it will. I believe that God has a bigger plan than what we can see in this moment. And when we pursue the purpose he's given us by using the gifts that we have, the very best that we can, like Nehemiah, staying focused, going after it with everything we've got, that it connects to something bigger than we can see. I believe that that purpose was also made for the local church. See, I think the local church is the hope of the world, that it was Jesus' plan to save the world, that through the disciples it began to grow, and and even today we're continuing to understand it more and more. See, the church is more than a pastor or a brand or a band or a singer or a staff team. It's more than a, a small group or a kids ministry. It, it's all of us working together, using our unique gifts to move the message of Jesus forward in our community. In Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. See, Paul is making it clear here that the leaders of the church have the gifts that we have in order to help discover, develop, 
and deploy the gifts that you have to do the ministry of the church together. For a long time, we had this idea in the American church of what it was. It was the pastors doing ministry for us. I think God's dream for the church is bigger than that. I think it's supposed to be all of our gifts working together in unison to do what God wants to do, not just minister to us, but to break, bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to make people experience life again in order to, to enter into relationship with Jesus Christ that is going to transform and change everything. It's all of us working there. That's why Paul uses the illustration he does in 1 Corinthians 12. 12 through 14, it says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Listen, this is, a, this is an illustration we talk about a lot in the church or the body. We, we say the body of Christ and all of this, but you've got to understand how big of a deal this is. This was his best way to explain what the church is supposed to be. Just like inside of me right now, there's organs and cells and and muscle tissue, a lot of muscle tissue, all working together in one purpose, to keep me alive, right? Just like that is the goal of everything in my body and all of it functions together with equal importance, so it is in the church, We've all got different gifts and different passions, different purposes, different desires, but our city needs us to come together as one body with one spirit pursuing our purpose so the bigger purpose can be served. Because the bigger purpose isn't ours, it's His. It says, for we're all baptized by one spirit to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. All of our gifts, all of our purposes connect to a bigger picture. You've got a purpose that this church and this city desperately need. And I mean that in every way. Whatever it is, maybe you're going to go out and and start a firm or a company and In doing so, you'll redefine ethics and practices and quality of product because of your pursuit of the way of Jesus. Or maybe it is in the context of the church. And you're going to be the next person to lead an area of this church closer to God's design for the church. Whatever your purpose is, it connects to something bigger. I think it's so easy to lose sight of how important our purpose is on a larger scale when we're zeroed in on just what we're doing. Every so often, we got to step back and take a 10,000-foot view of what's happening. It's like parenting. You know, it's so easy for me to just think about my one-year-old in the context of a one-year-old. She's a one-year-old. She doesn't talk very much. She said apple yesterday. That's questionable. It was, it was some syllables that sounded like apple. Or to think about my three-year-old in the context of a three-year-old. But what I miss sometimes is that this is a human person who is going to grow up to be a human person. And it's so much bigger than just making sure that she's eating more than veggie straws throughout the day. It's so much bigger than just helping her not be a jerk to people all the time. She's not. She's precious and wonderful. You get the idea, parents. It's bigger than that. 
See, on the other side of all this parenting is a human person who is going to go out and give something to this world, who's going to use their gifts in this world, who's going to be sitting back reflecting on who they are as a result of who their parents raised them to be. That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? But it's important to remember that. We've got to sit back sometimes and remember that even the small things that we do now are leading into a bigger future in the same way as you pursue your purpose, as you do what God's made you to do, it's important sometimes to take a step back and see the larger picture. Remember that it's more than just one thing. It's like Jeff out there greeting people when they came in this morning, saying hi, giving them a handshake and welcoming them in. It's more than just saying hi to somebody. Because it connects to the larger picture of what God's doing in the church. It's like Philip Roop who's out in our parking lot every week. If it's 10 degrees out and sleeting snow down, Philip's out there with a lightsaber making people feel welcomed and showing them where to park. And it may just feel like he's just doing parking. But it's more than that. Because of Philip, people are able to have the total experience they need to feel wanted, welcomed, and comfortable so that they can experience Jesus in a brand new way and have their lives changed forever. Maybe at the gathering you've been serving in kids for the last year. And you go in and you change some diapers or you play some games and do some crafts and you wonder if any of it really matters. But what you can't see is the changes in that child's worldview all week long when they have a greater understanding of their creator and his love for them. That these kids get to grow up absolutely understanding that they're loved by something bigger. What you can't see is the importance of that foundation 10 years down the road when they give their lives fully to Jesus. What you can't see is how much of a difference that it's made for those parents who were able to go in and worship and learn how to pursue Jesus more and more without having to parent their kids at the same time. You're a part of a bigger purpose, just like Nehemiah was. He was serving a bigger picture. Ezra was serving a bigger picture, a bigger purpose. They were restoring identity to the people of God, but it took All of them working together, every single piece, every part, working together to make it all happen. So don't underestimate the importance of your role, because your purpose connects to God's purpose. The vision that God gave Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem connected to the overall purpose of God, which was to restore relationship with humanity through Jesus Christ. 400 years later, when Jesus was born to Mary in Bethlehem, the Jewish people were a people again. Think about the the society that you see when you enter into the gospel of Matthew, a people who still had those festivals in Jerusalem, a temple-driven society with religious leaders who had some authority. All of the things that were crucial moments through Jesus' ministry, a result of a wall being rebuilt. Those religious leaders that were crucial in Jesus becoming the sacrifice he needed to be were there in place because of a wall that was built and a temple that was restored and people that moved back 
to Jerusalem. You know, it's really important, but the, 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 uh, the religious leaders who were in charge of Jerusalem, they didn't have a death penalty, no death penalties for the Jewish people. Only the Roman government could issue a death penalty. The Roman government had a uh, governor living in Jerusalem because Jerusalem was a city again. Because of those walls being rebuilt, it continued to grow. And by the time the Romans invaded, there were almost a million people living in and immediately around Jerusalem. And so it was large enough for them to position a governor right there, which was a crucial part of Jesus' story of salvation for all of us. Do you see how it all fits together? The Passover festival, which was a crucial moment in the story of Jesus, happened because Jerusalem had been rebuilt. And in chapter 8 of Nehemiah, the festivals were restored. Little moments, things that they couldn't see the total outcome. They couldn't see the whole picture at the time. In fact, Nehemiah didn't live to see the grander purpose that God was serving through the purpose he gave him. There may be things that God does through you that you never get to know about. You don't get to see it. You don't get to experience it. But because you faithfully serve the purpose, the passion, the dream that God gives you, they happen. We just got to keep moving forward, doing what God has called us to do. Your gifts and your passions and your purpose exist so that the purpose of Jesus can be accomplished in this city. And it may be today, it may be tomorrow, it may be decades from now. But we will keep doing what God has called us to do here because we believe he's got redemption in mind for the city of Asheville. When you serve on one of our tech teams, when you greet somebody at the door, when you open your home for a life group, you are a crucial part of the church and a crucial part of people learning to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference for generations that will follow. In Acts 20, 24, Paul says, or the writer says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task that Lord Jesus has given me. Do what God's called you to do. If you don't do anything else, find the passion he placed in your heart. Discover your purpose and pursue it relentlessly with everything you have just as Nehemiah did. And in doing so, you will make a difference. Or God will through you. What's your wall to build? What's your purpose to fulfill? What's the job God has for you that will have a greater impact than you could ever imagine? How is your purpose going to connect to God's purpose to change somebody's life for an eternity? to change our city for an eternity. Nehemiah was building a wall that would pave the way for people to pursue God. And he built that wall long, that long after he was gone would make it possible for humanity, humanity to be restored in relationship with their creator. You know, the story actually, it doesn't end that great. If you ever read Nehemiah chapter 13, you see, I think a lot of times we, we want everything to be changed based off of what we have done. What we want a lot of times is to know that this one purpose we've been giving has directly and completely changed somebody's life because of us. Whether or not we admit it, we want to see it and feel it and touch it. So did Nehemiah. 
So he went back to the city after he had left. He was there 12 years. Then he went back to Persia and served the king. A couple decades later, he decided to go check on that hard work he'd done because he wanted another reminder of what a good job he had done. But what he saw was not great. More brokenness in the city. The walls were still there. The city was growing. But the people were pursuing things aside from God. Idolism was big again. There was stuff, the, the temple had turned into a marketplace and On the other side of that was legalism out of the church, just priests creating laws that were new laws, almost 600 of them by the time they were done, around the laws God had given them to try to keep everybody on track. It was just a lot more brokenness. But that's because Nehemiah's purpose wasn't to change the world. That's what Jesus would do. Just like you need to know that whatever you're doing, there may be a moment where you need to sit back and say, I've got to pursue what I'm doing, but God may get all of the glory. I may not see any of it because what he can accomplish is so much more than even our greatest accomplishments. They're all still just human. We've got to know and trust and believe that if a difference is going to be made, it's made through Christ Jesus using us. What I want us to understand and see in it this morning is that if we can work together in pursuing the purpose that we have as a part of something bigger, God will take it and redeem it. Even the things that we make mistakes on, He can redeem it for the purpose and the dream that He has. In Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. It connects to a bigger picture. I wonder if you were to think back, how many walls were built that made it possible for you to experience Jesus? How many people were pursuing their purpose faithfully and setting up a foundation for you to come into an encounter with God that would change everything about your future? There's more than a few in mind. Think about Lou Lacoste at Old Fort Baptist Church, the church I grew up in. You see, Lou Lacoste taught children's church, and he had the ability to make what would be a boring story to a seven-year-old from the Bible come alive in a brand new way. The way that Lou lit up when he taught on the Old Testament, I still think about it every time I read it. I think about Chris Knox, my small group leader, when I was in middle school. Honestly, the hardest season for me in the church who made even a place that was hard for me to attend and go and be a part of, have at least a little bit of safety when he encouraged me, when he locked eyes with me, when he told me that it was going to be all right. I think about Doris Callahan. She was my kindergarten Sunday school teacher. And she taught us with felt boards about the story of Moses. Y'all don't know about no Bible teaching until you've seen flannel Bible teaching, Okay. Doris Callahan helped five-year-old me begin to understand that the love of God was real. And I saw it in her eyes every Sunday morning. Think about Andy Wood, my youth pastor, who showed me what it looked like to passionately pursue a purpose with everything you have. Not a single one of them was there when I gave my life to Jesus. In fact, when I left that church, I was bitter at Christianity, at the church, at all of it. Maybe they thought, well, that was all for nothing. But when I gave my life to Jesus, it was the walls that they had built. The foundation they had established 
that allowed me to step into the purpose God had called me to. You need to know that even if you can't see it, it connects to a bigger purpose. God will use your faithfulness, the ways you serve Him, the the talents that you have that you think are meaningless. God can use them to change eternities. I know there have been walls built in your life. So it's time for us to start building ours, to find the purpose that He's given us and just pursue it, to go after it, to focus on it, to not not let anything distract us from it, but just to faithfully pursue our calling, our purpose with everything that we've got so that when we're doing it alongside everybody else, going after their purpose together as the church, a whole city of generations will change. From now in this place, we, I believe we're going to be able to look back from eternity and say, wow, look what God was doing that whole time. I had no idea. There's my bricks. I put those bricks in that wall. I believe a day will come when he'll show us, I'm so proud of you. Look what happened because you served me so well. It's coming for me. I think it's coming for you. We've just got to know our part, focus on it, and pursue it. I hope that God has stirred up passion inside of you this week. I hope that God has stirred up passion over this series over the last couple weeks, that God is beginning to to speak into your heart that there's something bigger that you need to be a part of. And maybe for you, it's time to start asking what that is. Maybe you know you've got gifts and passions, but you're not really sure how they connect to a purpose that God has for you. I think it's time to get before Him in prayer and start to pursue that as desperately as you can. I think it's the most important thing. I think we need to start asking questions about how God would use us more and more. And maybe you're in that purpose and you're serving and you're, you're, you're pursuing it and you're staying focused on it. Let me just encourage you. Your part is something bigger. God is doing amazing things through you. Keep going forward. Keep doing it. Keep serving. Keep giving. Keep pursuing what he's put in your heart. Don't be discouraged. Don't get disillusioned. Believe that this wall will impact generations. I believe God has big dreams for us. I believe he's got a big dream that we get to be a part of. Let's pursue it together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, God, and just for the way that you've called us, Lord, the way that you put a a dream in our heart, a purpose in our heart, Father, that there is an assignment for us to do here that there are good works you prepared in advance for us to do. God, I just ask, Lord, that as we grow in our purpose, Father, as we begin to pursue the reason that you put us here, that you would increase, Lord, in us, that you would stay in our center, Father, that we would remain focused on you and you alone, Lord. And in doing so, that we would just become pointers to your presence that we will become pointers to what you are doing, Father. God, give us your eyes to see the bigger picture, to see what you are working at in this place. Lord, we glorify you. It's all for you. We worship you, Lord. It's all for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.